Email to me is like the never changing part of the internet. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, what's up? This is Traffic Jam episode number 73. Thanks for tuning in and joining me for yet another episode of the Traffic Jam podcast, the show that teaches you how to get more traffic to your website and build a profitable audience online. I'm your host, James Reynolds, and our guest today is Brian Littman, who's got the email marketing agency called Dedicated Emails. So it will be no surprise to you that we're talking today about dedicated email. The description given to renting an email marketing list, also referred to as solo emails, list rentals, and a bunch of other terminology too. Now, this episode goes into the fundamentals of email marketing, where to find an email marketing list, what you should be looking for in that list, how much you should pay and a whole lot else. But this episode is more than just the marketing aspect. It goes into the business of email marketing too. What offer and what business model you need, the financials that will make email marketing successful for you and a whole lot more than that as well. So the business component is really where our guest Brian Littman excels. He's worked with numerous $3 million to $50 million businesses making email marketing super profitable for them. And on this episode, you'll learn how to do the same for you too. So I guess without any further ado, let's talk about the business of dedicated emails with Brian Littman. So welcome back listeners, you're tuned into Traffic Jam episode 73 and today we're joined by Brian Littman from DedicatedEmails.com. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great, how are you James? I'm doing awesome. Today we're going to be talking about email drops and I guess perhaps before we get started we should get to grips with some of the terminology, Brian. Often referred to as dedicated emails, email buys, email drops, solo emails. What does all that mean? What are we actually talking about today? Lay it down for us. All right, cool. So most most like the corporate world, it's called like the the more professional um, corporate world, it's a dedicated email. In the more like home-based business world, it's a solo email. Um, basically they mean the same things. What a dedicated email is, is you're, you're going to a trusted third party who currently has a relationship with a list and, or, uh, someone who's a broker to a list and, um, you're leveraging that, um, uh, for the people who offer it, you're leveraging the credibility that they've already established to get access to their email database, um, generally for a one-time fee and a one-time email where you are, um, getting full access to their audience and able to collect leads, make sales, whatever it is that you do, um, you're getting you know access to you know pretty powerful uh, marketing um, opportunity. Do we ever call this an email blast? I've got to say, I hate that word. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that word either. It doesn't make sense. Dedicated email is kind of uh, it's the professional term for it. Solo email is fine, also, but 
I the, I noticed that uh, email blast is kind of like the the lower the lower tier of the word. Yeah, it's hardly appealing to the user, right, to be blasted with right. email. <laughs> so I guess let's cover off some of the basics. Who would be sending these emails typically? Is it you or is it the person you've got the relationship with or of whom you're buying the list from? Okay, so most importantly, um, just to is you're renting somebody's list. So I call it buying a list also, but I don't want people to get confused. Yeah. You're, when you when we say buying a dedicated, you're or renting a list, you're you're renting it the the publisher um, would be the person who's sending the email. You would send them over their subject line, your subject line, and your email copy. Generally, there's a tiny approval process just to make sure that the person believes that uh, you know it can work to their audience. Um, in our company, we like to really dig deep and make sure that like the creative is definitely filtered to the person that that we know we hit. But um, yeah, if you're ever in a situation where somebody's like, hey. You know, here's the database. You go send it. You're in the wrong place, and you're throwing money out. So generally, yeah. the, pu- the publisher is going to be the one sending it out. You're gonna, you should be getting a test. You know, making sure your links are working, and then um, you know, going from there. Okay, so you're obviously a big fan of this. You've been doing it a fair number of years. You've got an agency built around doing email buys. Why do you like it as a traffic source, particularly? What kind of hits the spot for you? Okay, so email to me is like the never changing part of the internet no one's gonna assuming you do the let's just go forward assuming that someone's doing the right thing they're not spamming they're not buying lists and blah 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 um the it's like the it's like the the grandmother who's always there um it's the it's the it never changes for the most part you know google comes in and they create some new filter and nothing's changed if anything it's only gotten better um, email has kind of been the most steady thing. You know, Facebook can shut you down. Google can shut you off. Um, you do the right thing on email, you know, you kind of, you know, really, you run into problems, but they're solvable. You go on a, go on a, going on a blacklist doesn't mean it's the end of the world. You get off them by doing the right thing. It's very important to be working with the right email service provider. But generally, the reason all, all we choose to know as a company is email and um, we believe it is the while it isn't the most scalable, it is the most it is safe. You are in control. And again, if you do the right thing, especially from a renting list perspective, you know, there's more than enough to grow a nice company. Now, if you say to me, hey, you know, I'm a hundred million dollar company or 50 million. I can't depend on email. I get it. It's still one marketing channel. It's still. um you know, not going to work for everybody because their offer might not be prepared for it. But overall, um, I really believe that it's the easiest one to get started with and the, the one where it'll give you the most likelihood of long-term success um, without, you know, Big Brother coming in and slapping you too hard. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that now it's becoming harder to get inside someone's email inbox. There probably is more opportunity there now, right? With the right list. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, I believe email is never going anywhere. Everyone's trying to change it. Let me knock on wood when I say that. Inboxing is not difficult or being in whatever Google calls it, um, promotions tab. Stuff's working now as well as it's ever worked, in my opinion, from what I see from my clients and from the list that we own. Um, I really think that um, in order to succeed at email, it's just like anything else. You have to have a good offer. And more importantly, your business model has to be 
lined up with, you know, giving you a real chance to succeed. And, and I can go deeper into that, or we can say that for another time, but a lot of the success that's going to happen with um, any media buying, any traffic buying is going to come down to, you know, your business, your offer, and, and kind of what's your model. Yeah, well, I'd certainly like to dig deep into the business stuff and we'll do that in just a moment. I guess to continue though for now, let's sort of build up the foundations. Someone who's getting started, they're doing email buys for the first time. Where would they go to find a list? What avenues would you suggest that they uh, search down? Okay, so like in there's a few worlds that are that you could find people in, like the health world, the conservative politics world, um, Things like my whole business, we really focus on men, 50, 55 plus, you know, uh, conservative slanting in uh, terms of, uh, of government. Our, our, our market is 99% United States, you know, it's conservative American politics. Um, but let's just say you're not in that market. What I would do is I, I, let's say I was in, um, you know, uh, gardening. I'd start looking, I'd, I'd go on Google, I'd search gardening, advertising, gardening, solo ads, gardening, um, websites, gardening, e-signs. And I'd start, if stuff's not just coming up, I dig deeper, but there's going to be tons of opportunities there where people might have smaller businesses. Hey, I'd love to rent your list. I'd love to work out a deal with you. And then there's going to be some bigger companies. Um, but here's the real key. You don't need to find the exact niche that you're in to advertise in. So my biggest clients are financial newsletters and health supplements, but they're advertising to a conservative political list. You're more looking for your where your market hangs out than a specific list that has a specific niche. Now, if you're in like into, uh, I don't know, uh, underwater basket weaving, it might be a little bit more difficult, but generally, you know, you should be able to find things. And if you're in, again, if you're in a college kids is your niche, it's probably going to be a little bit more difficult. The, the professional areas of um, probably a more 35-plus market, um, people who have credit cards have a little bit more expendable income. They're reachable. But again, you do not need to find the exact list that matches your exact offer. It's where do the who – is, who is my ideal person and where else are they hanging out? It's going to give you your biggest scalable opportunities. And why is the youth market so difficult? Is it because they're now communicating on Facebook chat and Snapchat and all these other platforms and are not using email so much? And I'd probably, this, everything I'm saying is only based on my experience in my market. So there's probably a bunch of people out there are going to say, well, he's just wrong. And that's cool because I'm just going off for what I, but what I, like my market, I still have 50, 60% of the people opening up on their desktop. Um, if not even more than that, that are opening on their desktop. Um, email and the younger is, I'm not sure if they're looking to, um, or if they've been trained over the years where email is their most trusted source of, of, uh, of opportunities then. And, and I kind of take a step back from that statement is it still goes back to like the niche that you're involved in. If you have like a, you know, um, let's call it a, uh, MMA mixed martial arts type thing. What I'm saying is probably 100% wrong. If you have like a hardcore protein bodybuilding, bodybuilding muscle and fitness thing, I'm probably a little bit wrong. But overall, from the people and the businesses that I work with, the older demographic is definitely more of the, the opportunity with email um, in the direct response space to which we know. Like I'm, I'm assuming that you know uh, 
a, a high end uh, or a, even a middle of the line uh, makeup company probably could find some lists that are um, you know more geared to that twenty five year old person. Maybe it's a uh, you know People Magazine or I don't know Us Weekly type stuff that's out there. But generally, the direct response market that most of the people probably listening to on this are probably kind of going to jive with what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, certainly if you're in the employment market or you're a business owner, your primary method of communication is going to be email. So I would expect that that would be perhaps one of the best places that you could reach people for sure. But I could see that, yeah, maybe the youth market with them not having necessarily those tools as their primary methods of communication might be a bit different. Yeah, and expendable income. It's Everything also comes a little back to expendable income. Yeah. Um, but that being said, again, MMA stuff and all that, you know, you can go on Twitter, you can go on Instagram, you know, those guys are making sales from social media way more than, you know, most of the company I'm, I'm saying in free social media, way more than um, a lot of the, you know, male 62 year old male type market. So we've done our research, we, we found some opportunities. Do you have a checklist to sort of walk through that might allow you to filter a good list from a, a bad list and understanding which might be suitable for you or not? Speaking from my world, there's some trusted resources that are that are in my world. So, like, so my business, I'm I I'm a publisher. We publish twenty plus of our own, but I'm also a broker for a similar lists. I think finding a finding a a broker that works in your niche is a good thing. Um, um, in my niche, there like my company, Dedicated Emails, another great one is called EmailAbilities.com. Um, you want to find people that you that you uh, that you can trust that other people other your competitors are already working with is probably my what makes my job easy is I could say X Y and Z are working with me they're in the same niche as you so if when you're looking for these things and if you don't find a broker you know hey uh, Joe can you tell me a little bit about who some of your other advertisers are and send me some of their creatives that they've used I'd love to just see what's working to your list and this way you can really find out um, the opportunity. Depending on your market, you might just have to roll the dice, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if you're going to roll the dice, just be, you know, stay on the safer side of the of the money side. You know, meaning stay small. It doesn't mean be be silly and be like, all right, I'll spend twenty bucks. But do your best to to weed it out. Um, you will rule number one. You will get beat up early on. Like, be prepared for it. Stay in the game. Email makes a lot of people a lot of money. But if you're in there and you're like, hey, I got a dollar to spend, but I need, you know, I need to see that I'm going to make $2 back today. And if I don't, forget it. Or I need to see I'm going to make a dollar back today and I don't. You're going to be out of it and you're giving up a tremendous source of opportunity. So stay in it. Do the right thing. And um, uh, know that email works. And it's, as far as I know, it's not going anywhere. Okay, so it sounds like the possible good question to ask is who else is using this list or what other products similar to my own have been sold through this or promoted through this? What about things like list size, you know, open rate, click-through rate, the sort of statistical information? Is there any benchmarks to look for there? Well, it's interesting. You know, everyone's like, so what are your open rates? And I'm like, you know, we we do our best to be at 10% above. We're always cleaning our list. Everyone's not, I have one list. That's a million people. It gets 20, 30, 40,000 opens, but it kills it. And it's a higher, more of a higher price list. So a lot of people have different cleaning policies, have different agent policies. Um, 
I think in the, again, in the health, pol political, financial, those markets, you're, you're going to be able to get the information. You're going to hear the right names from people. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm working with this company or that company. You're going to, you're going to find that in some of the smaller markets, I think you're going to have to roll the dice a little bit, but overall you got to, you got to, you know, it's very easy to be like, oh, I have 18% open rate. And then all of a sudden they send your email out and it's like, oh, I got six. And they're like, well, your subject line wasn't good. So there's going to, there's always a little game that gets played. Um, just protect yourself, but don't overly protect yourself. Just know you're going in that, you know, there's going to be a margin of error until you, you know, dial it in for yourself and, and the long-term opportunity of it. So I think that's the most important part of it. What should we be looking to pay for an email buying it? And I guess my sort of follow-up to that, which you'll probably include in your answer, is what's the metric of sale? I mean, how are we buying these based on a, a cost per thousand send or how's the metrics worked out? Okay, so I have lists that are $3 CPMs. I have lists that are $100 CPMs. There's nothing that, there's no set number. What, I, what, what we focus on is making sure our lists are priced correctly um, based on the success of other people. Um, so it's a, it's a tough and it's a tough, I, I think CPM is an outdated, is an outdated model for email. Um, that being said, people still use it. I, I'm more of into the flat rate, um, pricing, which is like, Hey, this list is X, it costs X. You could back it out for yourself if you want to, but, um, not, so, um, I, if you're in the financial niche, be prepared to pay, you know, 20, 30, 40 plus CPM. Um, if you're in the biz op niche, you, you, you know, you can find some opportunities to pay per click, um, that are out there. Um, there's a, there's a great company for uh pay per click called traffic for me. They're good on the PPC on the CPC side. Um, overall, um, it's a, it's a, it's an impossible there's no one true statement to the question, no two, one true answer, but here's what I'd say to talk against my own interest. You're getting started, you know, let the person know, beat them up a little bit over price. Say, look, if it works, I'm going to come back. Like a real businessman will take you on on that. They're still going to make money that day, but if everyone's planning to do the right thing, then I believe that, um, don't just give in, you know, if they say it's 20. Say, hey, look, my first run, I gladly pay 17. Um, if it comes back and I want to buy more, you know, we'll talk about it then. So there's always it's, there's always room. Just be smart and uh, don't be cheap. So I'm guessing by the sounds of it, you'd recommend doing a test send to a part of a list or a smaller segment before rolling out a larger campaign? Yes and no. Um, it depends really where you're at in business. If you're sitting there right now and you have a $700,000 plus business, a million, two million plus, you kind of got to say, all right. I'm getting into this first test. I'm going to take three, four, five, eight gram. I'm going to sprinkle it out over where I need to. I'm going to go slow for I could dial in the creative and dial in all, all these other things. But I, I can't be like, hey, Bob, you have a list of 100. I want to mail it to 10,000. No one's going to do that. I'm going to mail it to 20,000. You got to jump in. You know, when people work with us, I always tell them I have your back. Um, and we do. And we, we will make sure that they don't get their their ass handed to them for lack of a better word. I'm not saying everyone else is going to do that. Um, but no one, I shouldn't, very few people are going to be like, all right, mail to 10,000 of my list. It's not worth the time for a lot of people. So I, overall, you know, find a number that's comfortable for you. 
don't force it, but also don't be overly patient. Speak to the right people to, um, again, find out there who else has been advertising them, get them to send some emails, um, and make them let them know, look, if this works, my goal is to come back to you X amount of times a month, a year, or whatever it is. So yeah. it's really got to be a team game. If, if, and whenever there's selfishness on either side, probably not going to work. So at this point, we might have done a deal. I guess we should perhaps discuss the execution now, the actual marketing aspect of it and the business side of things associated with that. What type of offer works best typically or what should we be looking to promote? Let's talk about the funnel and the sales side. Okay, so there's two different parts of it. There's the lead gen guys, you know, opt-in, let's say, opt-in, thank you page offer. Then there's your straight offer guys. I have, to me... Um, I've always been an email opt-in type guy. Other people who can move bigger volume um, are straight to sales guys. It really depends on your model. So what I would really say to kind of step back in that question is you have to have your model fine-tuned to make anything work on the traffic side. If you're a guy sitting here listening to this or a gal sitting here listening to this right now, you're like, all right, I have no choice. I have to spend – if I spend a dollar, I need to make back a dollar twenty that day or it didn't work. Your offer is going to get old really fast. It's going to have fatigue, and you're going to be reinventing yourself every three, six, nine months, and that's not that fun. Unless, again, if you're going to make $10 million in that time period, I guess it's fun. But if you're more of a not going to be at that point, my recommendation is everyone needs to think for the long haul in business. Now, I have $100 million clients who they pump out winning creatives all the time, and they're going straight to VSL, but they have their back end in place. And they're moving large amounts. So without kind of telling anybody how to run their business, don't be copying other people. Don't think just because X is doing it that it's right for you. Get your model fine-tuned, but know that you know if you need to make money day one and that's your only option, in my opinion, based on the people I work with, it's going to get old real fast. So I definitely um, would shy away from that. That being said um, – we have some supplement guys who get $200, $300 card values on day one with a back end in place with the ability to lose a dollar day one because they have some, they have the back end in place and they have tremendous businesses. So I think to encompass what I've just said into one sentence is make sure your model is fine tuned and dialed in. But um, he flexed the, 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 I think it was Dan Kennedy or somebody else, somebody else said that the person who could lose the most money up front has the biggest business. And if you look at any true business out there in the world, it, it's it's a very true statement. Um, yeah. So, but that being said, it it doesn't have to be that way for you. You might not be able to do it. You know, you might not believe it, and uh, you know, you got to figure it out for your own. But at the end of the day, that kind of kind of is a winning formula. Yeah. Well, I guess it's like any form of paid traffic. The guy that's got the largest lifetime customer value is the one that's able to do this the best and outspend and outperform everyone else because they know over the long haul they're going to win, right? I always say an offer isn't a business. A business has an offer. So when people are like, well, you know, I have an offer. I'm like, no, I have start first with I have a business that likes to help X, Y, and Z type person solve X, Y, and Z type problem. And the way I do that is through X offer versus the people who are out there with like, yeah, I have an offer, you know, it's a, you know, weight loss, you know, no, you have to have a business and a passion to help those people. Usually the guys with the offers, they might be able to make some money in the short term. They're usually not exactly the, um, probably don't feel that great about what they're doing. 
Um, have a business that has an offer. Don't be an offer that is a business because it's an offer standalone is not a business. Yeah. So it sounds like this might work for the business that you typically wouldn't associate with email. I mean, a service type business who's got, you know, a strong residual offer, perhaps high priced, could do really well with this if they just put the right offer on the front end to acquire the subscriber, right? Let me say this thing. At the end of the day, straight to sales letter works great for some of my biggest clients. They're the ones who have the, they're just, that's the way they do it. I, I'm 50-50 on which side people should be on. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but going back to like the beginner or the intermediate person, you know, it's a lot less painful to do an email drop knowing that the worst case scenarios I'll get names to follow up with um, than going straight. And here's the number one key, and then I'll stop talking, split test. That's it. That's it. Well, let's talk about tracking. It was certainly on my agenda to ask you about how do you recommend we track the campaigns? And then we'll talk perhaps about how we might go about split testing and what, in fact, within that funnel, be it the you know the headline, the copy, the landing page, we should be testing. So first of all, tracking. Yeah, if you're spending money on traffic, you should, you should have tools in place. I mean, if you don't, if you're not able to get a specific tracking tool for every campaign, don't do it. Don't do any campaign. Um, what you should really be looking at to combine the two answers is uh, two questions is, uh, you know, you want to know your, the open rate. So you want to be split testing um, your subject lines. There's three main major keys to a successful campaign. It's subject line, um, email creative slash click through rate, and then your landing page. And each one of them for each different type of offer for each different creative has different metrics that make it work. I have some guys who put their sales letter in the email. They might get 300 clicks, but it's a click to buy. I then have some guys who put like uh, 30 words in there. They'll get a bunch of clicks, but you know, they're a little bit more generic. There's no right or wrong. Um, your model and your offer will dictate what is needed, but um, you should be split testing uh, each and every part of it to see what's right for you. I generally like more action on my page. I think EPC is not the correct metric in this. So that's more of like an affiliate metric, I think. Um, in this, it's ROI um, and what did, it, what did it cost for you to acquire a lead and or a buyer? Yeah. And I guess it's tracking several layers deep, right? It's tracking all the way through to a sale and then the residual sales that then result from it. And if you're only tracking top line metrics like click through rate or opt in percentage, stuff like that, you're probably going to miss the bigger picture, right? Yeah. And you got to look back, you know, zero days, seven days, 18 days, 30. You might be a guy who's like, Hey, I need to make money day one, but you might wake up and be like, Holy crap. 60 days later, I'm up. I'm 200% ROI. So don't be so short-sighted in, in your, in your understanding of your own metrics, really follow them out. Follow, I, I'm in a business that I had 10 years ago in email marketing based. We, our best clients were the people who were on the list longest. They bought our highest high ticket stuff, but it was might have been two years down the line. So don't forget that there's this long tail value of a subscriber that's consuming good information from you. The longer they're with you in the opening, the, probably the more valuable they're gonna, they are to you. All right. So let's perhaps discuss some mistakes. What are the top one, two, three mistakes that you see people making most commonly with email? That's a good question. Common mistakes. I, this is just probably something first, not split testing. Second is taking a copy that worked for an affiliate 
and just thinking you could plug it into a to an uh, a, a different type of campaign. I've noticed that it, there is a different um, you know affiliate. You're you you have to respect the relationship of every different part of it with with your publisher that you're buying from and or being an affiliate for. In a free relationship, you probably have to respect it more. Um, meaning like you can't, you gotta, you know, you gotta be a, or the guy should make you respect it more in the, in the third party part, you still need to respect it. And we see stuff get turned down all the time, but you can kind of lower the barrier a little bit on the amount of information given. Here's what I'd say is I think over bullet pointing is, is a, uh, is a negative uh, with the caveat being. If you're going with the long form email and you just accept what your metrics are going to be, um, I've had offers for some big companies where I rewrote or reworked it for them. We removed the bullet points um, because it was mo too much information. And um, don't over don't provide too much information. Each level of the campaign, from from uh, subject line to email to think each level has its own um, amount of information that's given. If you're trying to sell and give 18 bullet points or five bullet points in the email creative, you're just talking them out of going to watch your VSL or read your sales letter. That's going to reiterate the same thing. So don't overly give in too much information on each step. Um, that's a major, that's a major um, no, no. That being said, test it. And the opposite might be give all your information up front, get 300 clicks, so it just needs to be tested. Hopefully that made sense. Absolutely. Well, let's, I think, get close to wrapping up. I tend to like to get these sessions drilled down to one key point and one key action step. What should our listeners do as a result of listening into today's podcast? The first sort of step that they should take to after sort of you know, putting down their headphones, listening to us for today. Okay. The number one step I take is go on Google, find opportunities Find websites and find um, advertising opportunities that exist in your niche. Make a, open up a notepad, send yourself an email with 10, 20 of them. Um, doesn't mean you're going to be buying them today. Then I'd, I'd start over time or today, put an email together to that publisher and or find a phone number. I think the secret to the internet is the phone. So if someone does give you the opportunity to call them, call them. Your negotiating stance is going to be a lot easier. They're going to, they're going to feel your money's more real. Um, and so I would go, if I'm in the gardening niche right now, I'd go and find 20 sites that offer advertising, see if they offer email, if they don't email them or call them. Um, and that I think is the, the first actionable step. The second one, which is really the no brainer one is figure, make sure your model is in line with spending money and being able to scale your business. That's going to be the number one um, block to it because if you're not spending money, I don't really necessarily think you're you know, in business um, at the level that you want to be. And don't be scared to lose. You, 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 know, you, you got to get beat up a few times before you start making it. Awesome. Well, Brian, I think we should end things there. Where on the internet should our listeners go to find out more about you and connect with you online? All right. The easiest first, my name, well, I spell my last name correctly, is Litman, L-I-T-M-A-N. You can email me at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at dedicated emails with an S.com. Um, you can go to our website, dedicatedemails.com. Need to update that. Um, but yeah, there's uh, some information on there. There's a form you can fill out. We'll contact you. And I think that um, 
anyone who's listening to this who wants to spend 10, 15 minutes for free with me, whether in any niche, I'll gladly get on the phone with you. Just email me with the subject line, um, with the name of the podcast. I'll jump on the phone with you guys and or go back on email, Skype, whatever it is, and uh, help you. You know, and uh, any questions, feel free to reach out to me again, Brian at dedicatedemails.com. Perfect. Well, that's a fantastic offer. So to you, the listener, um, Brian's website and his email address will be included in the show notes for this episode. So to find that easily, go to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 73. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash the number 73. Awesome. Appreciate that, Brian. And thanks so much for coming on the show. All right. Thanks for having me, James. So that's pretty much it for episode 73 of Traffic Jam. We'll be back real soon with another episode. Remember to subscribe via iTunes by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes or subscribe on Stitcher by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher. For a direct link to all of the bonuses that come with this episode, including downloadable MP3 and full transcript of today's session, go to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 73, where you can also comment and join in on the discussion for this episode. Now, we end this week's show with a traffic jam chosen by today's guest, Brian Littman, and he's gone for the track right now by Van Halen. So enjoy the traffic jam and I'll see you back here for another episode real soon.
listening to the Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com. Traffic